We'll turn with me, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 19. John, chapter 19. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I thank you for the blood that he shed. I thank you for the redemption that was paid. I thank you for the reconciliation that was made. I thank you, Father, that you gave your son. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. And I thank you, Lord, you went all the way. We praise you tonight. We worship you. We love you. We magnify you and glorify you. In this place tonight, Lord, be exalted. In this place tonight, Lord, have the preeminence. Lord, as we linger in your presence and we await the anointing of your spirit. So we ask you, Lord, in your generosity, in your grace, in your compassion, and in your mercy. Lord, would you rest upon this man. Lord, help me to speak the oracles of God. And from thy word to break forth the bread of life. Thank you, Lord, that there's an open heaven for us. Wherefore, he hath consecrated a new and living way into thy very throne room through his own blood. So, Father, we pray. Touch us tonight. Glorify him, Holy Spirit. For Jesus' sake, I ask it. Amen. Verse 28 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. The word accomplished here uh, needs looking at this evening. The English word accomplished in verse 28. So the word accomplished is used some 26 times in 25 verses throughout your King James Bible. The first use of the word accomplished is found in Second Chronicles chapter 36 and verse 22. It is when the promise of God 
came to Babylon to those who were captive of the house of Judah, known as the Jews, and how God would move upon now at this point the king in Babylon who was the Persian king called Cyrus. And Second Chronicles 36 and verse 22 tells us that at this time, it says, the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be the word is accomplished. Notice that, accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. The Lord stirred up an ungodly man. The Lord touched a heathen heart in order to bless his own people of Judah who were in Babylon and in order to bring his own word to pass. You see, if you'll go with me to Jeremiah, please, chapter 25. Jeremiah, please, chapter 25. And just let your eye run down, if you will, to verse 12. It says, And it shall come to pass that when 70 years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans and will make it a perpetual desolations. And I will bring upon that land all my words, which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah hath prophesied against the nations. Now take note, the Lord said, I am going to perform my word See, Jeremiah has told him that the Lord wants the Judaites to go into Babylon with the king and not to fight against them, and he will bring them out if they trust him. He will bring them out after 70 years. And hence we read of them in Shadrach and Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, and the land's den, and all of those sort of things happen in Babylon. And 70 years comes to pass. Will you go to Jeremiah, please? Chapter 29, and this little verse, many people have it on a wall. Many people have it on a bumper sticker for their car or whatever. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. But in its full context, notice what it says in verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, Notice, causing you to return, you, house of Judah, you, the remnant of Judah, these Jews who are in Babylon, I will cause you to return to this land, that is, Canaan land, <clears throat> and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Now, here's your bumper sticker. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and will gather you from all the nations and the places. In other words, God is saying, you're now in the Holy Land, go with them, trust me. For your benefit, go with them, and I will bring you back to this place after 
70 years. If you want to know when that started, you can read Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and Ezra chapter 5, verses 13 to 17, when the Lord said it was come to pass, that the Lord would release these people to go back to build the walls on the temple in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel's temple. And hence we read of Nehemiah building the walls. We read of Ezra, as we have mentioned there. We read of the the priest reading the, the very word of God, the scrolls of the Torah. And hence we see all of these things coming to pass. Now if you will go with me to Daniel, please, the book of Daniel. In chapter 9, now this is in Babylon, Daniel's there, and it says in verse 1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realms of the Chaldeans. Now take note of this, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, notice the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. I want you to note this. I want you to number this. I want you to underline this because people forget this. Jeremiah's in Babylon. He's reading these books. He's reading the scroll of Jeremiah, or pardon me, of the other prophets. He's reading the word of Jeremiah and all that the Lord has said about bringing them back after 70 years. Now Daniel, he is now reading and he's saying, this is the year that the Lord has promised. This is the time of the blessing. This is the time of release. And hence, he then goes into a time of prayer. Just as Jeremiah had said, the Lord says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And hence, Jeremiah starts repenting of the sins of his people. And hence, the Lord uh, sends the angel. Notice, if you will, let your eye run down. I don't want to get... Uh, too bogged down with this tonight. This is a minefield in Scripture, this, uh, this chapter. Let your eye run down to verse 24. Then he gets another time scale. So that 70 years is up. God's about to release them. He gets another time scale. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. How was this going to happen? Who was going to finish it? People look for an antichrist. Brothers and sisters, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. He finishes the transgression by the giving of himself on Calvary. He dies on the cross. He finishes all the sacrifice. Notice this, and to make an end of sins. Who made an end of sins but Christ himself? And to make reconciliation for iniquity. Who is the reconciler but Christ himself? And to bring ever an everlasting righteousness. That's Christ himself. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice 70 weeks were determined until this would happen. Now at the end of these 70 weeks are known as 70 weeks of years in Bible prophecy. In other words, they are seven. Sevens are 49. So 490 years would come to pass. And what is it that happens? Let's read on. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore. Remember we're only after looking at that. From the 70 years that they were released from. 
Now here's another 70, 490 years. Notice he says, From this commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. And we're talking about here, brothers and sisters, how uh, Titus came and destroyed the temple and destroyed the city. And the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. Now notice this. And after three score and two weeks, three score and two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come to destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of war desolations are determined. Notice, and he... People say, Antichrist, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In other words, here it is, the dying of Christ. In the, the, the midst of the week, he confirms the covenant. And what is the covenant? Well, uh, Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah. Is not what it said at the beginning of the chapter? Then let your eyes then uh, go to Jeremiah. Chapter 31, Jeremiah chapter 31, and verse 31, please. Now, Daniel is in Babylon. The 70 weeks of their captivity is up, and he's reading the book of Jeremiah. This covenant is mentioned. Verse 31 of chapter 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Now he's reading the book of Jeremiah, so surely this speaks of the covenant that is made. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, will be their God, and they shall be my people. Notice this covenant that is to be made here in verse 27. Is the covenant at the middle of the 70th week. Christ has accomplished this. I want you to notice this. I want you to see this. So now the 490 years in the middle of the week, Jesus is crucified. Now I go to John 19, please. And here it is. The very midst of that week. Verse 28, after these things, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. Do you see this? Let the Bible speak for itself. Let the word of God uh, translate for us the word of God that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled he saith I thirst and then in verse 30 when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is finished our sins were paid in full but it is finished these weeks of years were done they were accomplished I take note of it, brothers and sisters. This word accomplished, as I said, is first of all used in Second Chronicles 36 and verse 22. And the second time that it is used, or pardon me, the last time it is used is in First Peter 5, please. If you want to turn to First Peter chapter 5. 
Now take note of this. When it said in the first mention of the word accomplished that the Lord would move on Cyrus, Cyrus the Persian. And when it says that he would move upon Cyrus the Persian, you know, it just made me think, brothers and sisters, that God can even move upon your enemies and cause them to bless you. I want to say it again. I want you to get it. God can even move upon your enemies and cause them to bless you and cause your enemies to do his will. He moved on a heathen king and that was the the start of things moving for the rebuilding of that temple in Jerusalem. Now the last use of the word, English word accomplished, is in 1 Peter chapter 5 and in verse 8, if we can read from verse 8 please. Let me just get it as well. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Notice what it says here. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring land, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Notice, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In verse 9, that is the last time you read the English word accomplished. That God is still at work. God is still at work in you, brother, and in you, sister, and in me. Listen to the words of the Puritan Henry Smith. God examineth with trials. The devil examineth with temptations. The world examineth with persecutions. I want to say it again. God examineth with trials. There's times we're in trials. God is examining us with it. How we fare. How we go through it. Do we still hold to him? Trust him, even like the very first time accomplished was made uh, in the English rendering that is accomplished made, as we've already said. The Lord said to the house of Judah, go into Babylon and trust me. Go into Babylon and trust me to bring you out after 70 years. Can you imagine that if the Lord said to you, I want you to do something, you're going to go through something, you're going to be led away into somewhere else and captive for 70 years, but trust me. Can you imagine what you would think? You see, we think that God's promises, once he says them, they drop like rain the next day. They, they think they're like the manna on the, on the ground the next day. But listen, friend, listen, brothers and sisters, sometimes God gives a promise and sometimes in prophetic utterance, God gives a word and it may not happen for years. 70 years are determined, he says. And even the prophetic 70 was 490 years before God brought it to pass. See, the wheels of God turn slow. But they grind exceeding small. Right to the very jot and tittle, God will fulfill his own word. Peter says that we are to resist the devil knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in 
our brethren that are in the world. So God examines us with trials, how we will fare. Now God knows our heart, but it's that you and I would know your own heart because we still don't know ourselves. God examineth with trials. The devil examineth with temptation. See, God tempts no man. And sometimes God uh, is trying us, but the devil tries to turn it into a temptation. And the devil tries to bring it along to us, and he tries to lure us with all manner of evils and things that might turn us away from the Lord, may turn us away from the goodness of God. And in it all, God is saying, let's see how they fare. Remember Job? When Satan came to present himself before the Lord, he asked Satan, whence comest thou? From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down in it, Satan says. And the Lord says, hast thou considered my servant Job, that he is a perfect man? In other words, that he, he, he does good, he does well. He, he escheweth evil and is upright, he says. And God allowed the, the, the trials of Job to happen. And God allowed even to see how he would fare when the devil attacked him. Brothers and sisters, the devil examineth with temptations. And the world examineth with persecutions. And that's where the, that's where the rubber hits the road with many. Oh, we can stick it because, you see, we, with the natural eye, we can't really see the devil unless he manifests. An evil spirit would manifest through the flesh. And oh, God is testing us then. We have this grit in us sometimes that we must go through because in the sovereignty of God, he's allowing this to happen. And hence we rest our head on the, the pillow of his sovereignty. But when the world, the world with the flesh and blood people around us are, are, are persecuting or harassing or whatever, the church, the Christian tends to fold easier because they're visual. It seems more real because it's a, a human being. Well, brothers and sisters, to us, God should be more real than the person sitting beside you. Elijah said when he went into King Ahab, sitting on the illegitimate throne in Samaria in the northern kingdom of Israel. And Elijah the prophet walks in and he goes before Ahab who would have slew him in a heartbeat. And he walks in saying, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these three years till according to my word. In other words, Elijah was saying, the Lord God of Israel before whom I stand. He says, I'm more conscious of the spirit who is the Lord God of Israel. I'm more conscious of God. I'm more conscious of what he thinks. I'm more conscious of what he wants in my life. I'm more conscious that I'm standing before him that I am Ahab standing before you in the flesh. The apostle says we ought to obey God rather than men. Oh, the enemy may be flesh and blood to your face. And the devil may tempt you and you can fight against the temptation. But stay more aware of the glories of Christ and of the Lord who is with us. And hence Peter is telling us these things. Listen to this. Vavasor Paul, another old Puritan, he said, much grace exercised brings persecution. I want to say it again. Listen to this now. 
much grace exercised brings persecution. For the sweeter and better the fruit is, the more slinging there will be at the tree. For the sweeter and better the fruit is, the more slinging there will be at the tree. In other words, when God pours his grace on a man and a woman, when God is so gracious and kind to an assembly, to CET here, and God is blessing and blessing and blessing, guess what? The the fruit should be sweet because of his grace. The fruit should be sweet because of his mercy, because of his anointing. And hence we should be bearing so sweet a fruit. Now listen, that's why we get so many attacks. That's why whether it's on online or outside somewhere else, that we are constantly uh, bombarded with, with attacks and with slanderous words. Because, you see, if you were in, a, in a, a, an apple yard or, if, what do you call it, an orchard, Ernie? An apple yard, I said. I mean, an, an orchard. I didn't want Ernie but so coming and, and getting at me later on he, with his orchards here. By the way, his apple juice is lovely. I was telling him that outside. And, and, and you can imagine if you're, if you're going into there, you're going to want to take from the, the sweetest or, or the nicest of the fruit or oranges or whatever it may be. And here when God is pouring out and there's bringing forth fruit of, of revivals and, and fruit of blessing and, and fruit of, of evangelism and, and fruit of children's ministry and, and fruit of this and that and the other and God is moving and blessing, be aware for those who are against it, whether it be the Lord who will test it, whether it be the devil who will tempt it, or whether it be the world who will persecute it, they will always throw more at the tree with the sweetest fruit. And that's why they attack you when you're living right for Christ. That's why your life before Christ is attacked. But you see, every time they're doing it, again, we go right back. Let that trial put something in you, something of grit in you, that you will go on for the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, God is working in you, and he will accomplish that which he has begun to do. So the first mention of the English word accomplished, Second Chronicles 36 and 22. The last mention is in First Peter 5 and 9. But the most mentions is in Luke's gospel. Will you turn with me to Luke chapter 1, please? Luke's gospel chapter 20, 1, pardon me, Luke 1. And just for time's sake, will you let your eye run down? Verse 21. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. Now I want you to take either a mental note of that, underline it, or write it down for something we're going to say in a few moments. So Zacharias is a priest in the temple. The angel comes and says that he'll have a son. He's to call him John. This will be John the Baptist. And I take note of this. They waited for him. They marveled that he took so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak. I want you to take note. He couldn't speak because this is important. See, every word of God's here for a reason. He could not speak. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. 
And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. So what happened was the priests in the temple, they would have ministered. And it would have been like our deacons are on a rota, somewhere in here, some in the car park, somewhere uh, at the door, somewhere around the table in the morning, and they go around in that rota as such. And the priests that were ministering in the temple would have been similar. So when the days of Zechariah's ministration were finished, accomplished, then he goes home. And when we read, it is after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived. So here it is, the forerunner. I want you to get this. The forerunner of Christ. The forerunner of the Son of God then would be born. Will you go with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2? Now here's the thing. In Luke's Gospel, the most times mentioned accomplished English word. In Luke's Gospel, it's mentioned seven times. Accomplished is mentioned seven times. We've already read one to do with the forerunner of God. The voice crying in the wilderness. Now let's look at chapter 2. And let your eye run down please to verse uh, 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And this is then, of course, Mary. So here is then the birth of Christ accomplished. In other words, her nine months or whatever was up and she gave birth. This fits in again onto that Daniel's nine, Daniel's 70 weeks in chapter 9. Notice this here. So uh, the, the, when the days were accomplished, she should be delivered. Go with me, if you will. Let your eye run down. <clears throat> to verse 22. Verse 22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, accomplished they brought him to Jerusalem to present them to the Lord. So here's Christ's dedication now. Okay? Christ's dedication. Again, it is an accomplishment that they had set days and Jesus fulfilled it. Heading towards the cross of Calvary. And then in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then we go again to chapter 12 of the book of Luke, please. Luke chapter 12. And we're getting closer to the cross. And let your eye, if you will, run down to verse 50. Notice what the Lord says. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened until it be accomplished. The Lord is saying here, I'm going to die. I'm the only one who can save and the only one who can redeem. He says, I have this baptism and I am straightened. In other words, he was fixed in line, time scale, right to the very time when he was crucified, fulfilling the prophecy. Notice, I am straightened till it be accomplished. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. You hear today that 
people think that, and they bother to say that Jesus, he came that everybody would get together and everybody would be happy and lovely and everybody would be accumulating and all of this sort of thing. But listen, Jesus said, it's me or the world. It's me or this or that or the other thing. He even says, it's me and your, or your ungodly family. I have come to do this. Notice what he says. Verse 53, the father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against her mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Notice, Jesus is saying it's going to be me or that, me or them. Which is it? Can I ask you something, brothers and sisters? Talking about getting our preferences right. Getting our preferences right. Is it Christ or the things you do all week? Is it Christ first or is it your job? Is it Christ or your family? Is it Christ or whatever? Is it Christ of the club you belong to, of the institution you're in? Or What is it that comes first? He comes, he says, to drive the sword in. And he says, you have to decide, is it me or that? People here, and I know you, you, you come from a background where people would hate you for, especially those who have been saved from a Roman Catholic background, because uh, they just see you as a fundamentalist Protestant. Because you've got saved, they, they think that maybe you're someone who's just a, a Roman Catholic hater or, or, or something like that. I remember when I got saved, my family thought I was cuckoo, thought I was crazy. My family told me, that's good for you, but don't be preaching to me. I don't want to know this. You have the decision to make. Is, is it Christ for me? Or is it the other things? And hence in chapter 12 and verse 50, the Lord says he straightened until it's accomplished. Calvary was looming. It's the group sang it tonight. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And he knew that someone like me and someone like you needed saved and would go to a lost eternity, be found in a lake of fire, on the broad road to destruction, to end up in a devil's hell if he had not have went and been straightened to be baptized, as it were, with the cross. And he had this time scale. Even Paul tells us when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. When the fullness of time has come, what time? Do you ever think like that? We just read that, don't we? When the fullness of time has come, what time? Oh, it's just the time of, well, he just came. No. It's to do with the Daniel 70 weeks time. When it was time. Here's the last week. It's time. Eighteen, please, chapter eighteen, if you will. Chapter eighteen. Let your eye run down. Verse thirty one. 
He then took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Do you see what he's saying here? It's Calvary again. It's the cross again. It's his death again. How important is the death of Christ for salvation? How important is the blood of Jesus, the need to know him for salvation? How important was Calvary to him? And and how unimportant is it to many others? How unimportant is it even to many preachers? The cross gets a little byword on the way by, a little mention maybe here to some, maybe not even at all in many places. But Jesus, he says, I am straightened with this. I am focused. And now he says it again. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets, notice, concerning the Son of Man. shall be accomplished. Luke 22, please. Luke 22, verse 37. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. Catch the language here. People say, at the most, he was a prophet. He was just a man. Well, that's Unitarian's or whether it's uh, Muslims, or they say, well, and even their Isis isn't, isn't our Jesus anyway, and even to say that, but, but even at that, they say, well, he was a prophet. Peace be on him. As if this is some accolade they give him. And the Jews detest him. But notice what he says in the import of the cross. Notice what he says in verse 37. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. In me. It can't be passed on to an angel. It can't be passed on to a seraphim or a cherubim. It can't be passed on to a prophet, an Old Testament prophet or a New Testament so-called apostle or whatever, he says it can't be passed on or accomplished in anybody but me. That's why Christ is center to all that God is. Christ is center in the word. Christ is center in the message. And Christ is center and has the preeminence in our salvation. He says this is going to be done in me. Take note. If you'll go with me back to John chapter 19, please. Time's flying. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. We're getting the, are you getting the import of this now? Jesus knowing. He's on the cross here. He's kneeled hand and foot. He's beaten and battered and bruised and whipped with the Roman flagellum here. He's had a crown of thorns driven into his brow. The blood is streaming from him. It's a mess. It's a bloody gore all over the place. And he's still thinking for all to be accomplished in me. He's still thinking this. 
hanging between heaven and earth, between two thieves. The shouts and the mockings and the jeers and the jibes at him, the cursings and the swearings and the blasphemies, amid all the pain and the suffering, and he's hanging on the cross, and he's still thinking, now it's accomplished. Now Ken Davidson can be forgiven and go free. That all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. Verse 30, just for time. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head. He gave up the ghost. See the word accomplished. Would you say accomplished? We have looked at the times that it's in the English vernacular. But the word accomplished is the word teleo. It's the root word for what, and the exact same word in verse 28, that all things were now accomplished, is the same in verse 30, it is finished. And hence when, it just means finished, accomplished, but it is finished, is tasselestai. It is finished. Gives the idea of a, of a, a, a grocery bill, and you've got the bill and the payment to be made at the bottom. And when it's paid, it says, paid in full at the bottom of it. It's done. But I want to take you somewhere with this for a moment. The word accomplished or talio, the root word for it is finished. It means to bring to a close, to bring to an end. Gives the idea to carry out a thing to its fullness. Grasp hold of this. Carry it out to its fullness. It says in verse 30, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Listen to what John Hoy said. The wrong that man had done to the divine majesty should be expiated by none but man and could be by none but God. So man would have to pay for the fullest price. You and I, man and woman, would have to pay the fullest price for the debt of our sin, which would take eternity, which means it's never ending. So he had to be a man to pay a man's wage, as it were, a man's debt. But a man couldn't do it. He had to be God. And the man, Christ Jesus, did it as he is God. Manifest in the flesh. Now listen, I asked you to underline about Zacharias in the temple. They wondered where he was and he came out and he was dumb and he couldn't speak. Here's why I asked you to underline it. You see, the Savior died at the time of the evening sacrifice. Be about 3 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, that is our time. And it was on the Day of Atonement the priest would enter into the temple to make a special sacrifice for the people of Israel. And when he had accomplished his duties, he would emerge from the temple, the place where the animal was sacrificed, and declare to the waiting crowd. He would come out and he would say, it is finished. Only he would say it in Hebrew, but he would say finished or it is finished. 
it is finished. Now, the word here for finished is the word challah. And it means exactly the same, to come to a terminal point, to make sure it's completed to its fullness. And hence, the blood had been shed, and then the high priest had to walk with the blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the furniture with the blood. Just the high priest. But the priest would come out, and all the people were there, and he would say, the blood's been shed. It's finished. And when Christ said it is finished, you know what he's saying? The blood's been shed. He says it's pet and full. And the great high priest, when he rose from the grave, he entered into the holy of holies in the heavens. And there he ministers in a heavenly tabernacle for you and me. I want you to stay close to me to say this. This word, the very first time we read it is in Genesis 2 and verse 1. It says that thus the heavens and the earth were finished and and all the host of them. In other words, when God said and he spoke all the words into being, it's finished. There's no more to add to this. It's the same word that the priest would use coming out of the temple. It's been shed, it's finished. And Israel would go, right now, the application of the blood has been shed. It must be applied. And the high priest takes it on into the Holy of Holies. It's like when the blood of the lamb was to be taken off in a basin or a bucket and the hyssop was to be put in it and put upon the doorposts and the door lintels of every Israelite house in Egypt. And listen to what the Lord says. I'm coming through Egypt this night, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. See, it's all right, the blood being shed, and we can tell people about Christ dying and shedding his blood, and we can sing about it, but it must be applied. You can't leave it in the bucket, and you can't leave it just shed outside the Holy of Holies. It has to be carried right in and presented before God. And Christ said, it is finished. That was it. He had paid our debt in full. When he knew it was all accomplished, he knew the very time scale was done to the T. And he went into the grave, into the tomb, rose the third day, and he ascended into heaven. And there he stands for me, right at the right hand of the Father, and he shows his wounds and he spreads his hands. Father, I'm presenting myself because that rascal Davidson, he's trusting in me. That sinner Davidson, Trust in me. All the Father can see is the blood. The blood of his Son. And he declares me not guilty. Are you under the blood tonight? Are you washed in the blood? Let me round this up. So this word, off or finished, will you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1? For our last little teaching of scripture tonight. Isaiah chapter 1. Now to I, if you will, just run down the page. Verse 25. And I will turn my hand upon thee and purge, purely, purely purge away thy dross. 
and take away all thy ten. And I will restore thy judges at the first and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Brothers and sisters, let me just pause here. I believe this will happen when revival returns to the nation. That God will put in, as it were, judges who will judge righteously after his laws. Counselors in place who will counsel and who will lead and who will, as it were, even as our counselors do, after his word. Verse 28, And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. See the word consumed. Do you know what it is, the word? Chalal, for finished. It's the exact same word, only our English word is different because we need it for our English, English language and rendering. But the word consumed, the, the transgressor and the sinner, in other words, they'll be finished. You're not saved and you're finished. You're away from me and you're finished. You've had your chance and you're finished and you're consumed with it. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks which they have desired and ye shall be confounded for the gardens which ye have chosen. In other words, you want everything but me. For ye shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth and as a garden of half no water. Can you imagine what that looks like? He says, that's what you'll be like, sinner. That's what the nation will be like if they turn away even further from him. And the strong shall be as a toe, and the maker of it as a spark, and they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them. Now to finish this. The word transgressor here is the word pashiah, and it means to revolt, to rebel, to fall away, or to backslide, to break away from just authority. Now, notice I said just authority because there's ungodly, unholy laws made by government which we are not obliged to keep. Romans, Romans 13, everybody brings up, oh, but you're, you, have to, you have to do everything. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. That Everybody's taken that out of context. Does that mean as the church then you have to accept the whole LGBT agenda? Does it mean you have to accept the abortion of babies in the womb and say it's okay? No. Does that mean if they make a law then that, uh, that pedophilia is just uh, uh, adults wanting uh, to fall in love with children? Because that's what's next and it's coming. Of course not. We are to cry against it. Stand against it. Protest against it. What about when they try to bring in digital currency? When the WEF wants to lock us all up again. They want to take away your farmlands and your houses. 
you'll own nothing and you'll be happy because they're the ones who'll look after you. Are we to vow to that? The answer is absolutely not. This word here for transgressors means to revolt, to rebel, to fall away, to backslide, as it were, or to break away from just authority, not unjust, from just authority. In other words, they broke away from the law and the word of God. And that's the state of our nation tonight. In fact, this word transgressors or pasha, you know what it means? One who apostatizes. Remember that great stand up for stand up for Jesus and we're soldiers of the cross. Remember the, the great anthems the church used to sing. Remember they would have stood for uh, for the word of God and bowed to nothing. Now they bow to everything and don't stand for the word of God. Apostatizing, allowing all manner of evils and wickedness into the church. Remember, and that the heart of the Christian is weak and watery, uh, and the heart of the Christian is melting, as it were, and flowing inside of them rather than standing firm. It's the idea. The Lord says, here's my law, and you're a transgressor. And this is where they end up. So in Isaiah 1 and 28, we have transgressors, sinners, and forsakers. The second one is forsakers, or pardon me, sinners. The word kata, and it means one accounted guilty to be an offender. And the first mention of this word, are you ready? The first mention of this word was when the Lord mentions it to Sodom and Gomorrah. The very first word of, the, of kata. For Sodom and Gomorrah. The very first mention of that. And the third one is forsakers, the Ozav, pardon me, and it means to abandon, to depart from the Lord and to neglect him. In John 19 and 30, he bows his head and gives up the ghost. Here's what I've written. He bowing his head was not in defeat. He bowing his head was not victimhood. He bowed his head as a victor and an overcomer. He bowed his head in peace. He bowed his head ready to now sleep the sleep of death. And he who had no word to lay his head, foxes of holes, birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man hath not word to lay his head, now on the cross lays his head on a pulseless breast. Lays his head on a pulseless breast as he gives up the ghost and dies. It's finished. John, whose gospel account we are reading, is the same one who laid his head on the breast of Christ. In the supper, Christ broke bread, and on the cross, Christ, the bread was broken. Psalms uh, 22 verse hmm, is it 10, 16 I don't even I will not leave my soul in hell 
neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. It's the exact same word. Lord, you won't forsake me in the tomb. He forsook him on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he did not forsake him in the tomb. Because the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on the third day was the Father's amen to Jesus' cry. It is finished on the cross. It is finished. Three days later, the Father says, Amen, son. Amen. Are you washed in the blood? God bless you tonight. I've enough there for another sermon, but I'll just keep that for some other time. I just had it all written down. I picked a wee bit out as we went through that. I sat yesterday and I read it and thought about it and I wrote it and I sat through, I don't know, about three or half three. I'm not sure of the time exactly. I think it was. In fact, I bumped into David and Catherine. Was that about three or half three, was it? Yeah, so just about the end. I just kept writing and writing, and at the end, I just wrote a whole lot of bullet points. I wrote, there's one sermon there, so I'll maybe do it another time. What did he accomplish? Reconciliation, redemption, forgiveness. All accomplished in him. Billy, come up, please. Thank you. Team.